is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I will not be here Thursday or Friday. I'll be visiting my parents. Just a heads up. We will have the great Dan Bongino. Followed by the great Brian Mudd. So, um, that's what's cooking. But there's a lot more cooking, actually. Um, somebody leaked this draft report from the Inspector General uh, to ABC News. Perhaps not the whole report, but information from the report, to be more accurate. And it's very interesting, at least up to now. Now, there are some concerns. The president is right and others are right that this report not be dumbed down. Because people mentioned prominently in the report have an opportunity to reply, as do the various institutions, like the FBI. What I would suggest the Inspector General do is attach all those replies as an addendum and issue his report as written. But what do I know? Anyway, some of the initial information is quite interesting. Justice Department's internal watchdog, says ABC News, has concluded that James Comey defied authority at times during his tenure as FBI director, according to sources familiar with a draft report on the matter. Now, this is the FBI director who defied authority at times. One source told ABC News that the draft report explicitly used the word insubordinate to describe Comey's behavior. It is interesting. We haven't seen Comey lately, have we? His book took off like a rocket and then, uh, and then hit the ocean. Another source agreed with that characterization but could not confirm the use of the term insubordinate. In the draft report, Inspector General Michael Horowitz also rebuked former Attorney General Loretta Lynch for her handling of the federal investigation into Hillary Clinton's personal email server, the sources said. Now, by the way, just a heads up, a few days ago, the Washington Post did a hit job on this guy, Michael Horowitz, the inspector general, despite the fact he was originally appointed by Barack Obama. So they're trying to take him down a couple of notches because they're upset because the guy's making, you know, findings that they don't like. And that's the media today. Media today will attack you. On Tuesday morning, President Trump complained of numerous delays, and they put quote-unquote in the release of Horowitz's final report, which is expected to run several hundred pages long and be released in the coming days. Well, there have been numerous delays. The sources who spoke to ABC News were willing or able to address only a portion of the draft report's complete findings. What is taking so long with the Inspector General's report on crooked Hillary and slippery James Comey, Trump said in a tweet. Hope report is not being changed and made weaker. He's right. Almost from the start, 
the long-awaited report was expected to chastise Comey for his handling of the Clinton-related probe. So here is where the media step in to say to you, what's the big deal? We already knew this was coming. What's the big deal? We already knew that uh, Comey defied authority from time to time. What's the big deal? We already know Comey was a leaker. What's the big deal? We already know that Comey covered up for Hillary Clinton months before he actually interviewed her, anybody on his staff. What's the big deal? We already knew about the, uh, the fact that they hadn't had the laptops. What's the big deal? We knew they hadn't seen all the emails. What's the big deal? We already knew all this. What's the big deal? There was an informant in the Trump campaign. I'll get to the genius, the Speaker of the House, in a minute. What's the big deal with anything, ladies and gentlemen? What's the big deal? So it goes on. But in apparently describing Comey's defiance of authority, the draft report was criticizing a man who prided himself on his leadership style at the FBI and has since dedicated his post-government life to promoting a new generation of effective leaders. Is this a joke? He's dedicated his post-FBI life to promoting a new generation of effective leakers. leaders. Do they mean leakers? Was that a spelling uh, typo there, Mr. Producer? Leaders, L-E-E-A-D-E-R-S. Did they mean leakers, L-E-A-K-E-R-S? I think they did. I think uh, ABC should take a knee on that one. The draft of Horowitz's wide-ranging report specifically called out Comey for ignoring objections from the Justice Department when he disclosed in a letter to Congress just days before the 2016 presidential election that FBI agents had reported, excuse me, had reopened the Clinton probe According to sources, Clinton has said that the letter doomed her campaign. Now, this creates what we call a conundrum for the left. I mean, they'll fire away around it because of hypocrites they are. But it creates a conundrum. Now, what is this conundrum? Well, if the report is, as this leak suggests, condemning Comey, ignoring the Department of Justice in the disclosure of this uh, letter to Congress right before the election. If that's the case, then how can they promote Comey, embrace Comey, because Comey has attacked Trump relentlessly, but then on the other hand, condemn Comey and trash Comey for his uh, defiance of authority when it comes to Hillary Clinton. Before Comey sent the letter to Congress, at least one senior Justice Department official told the FBI that publicizing the bombshell move so close to an election would violate long-standing department policy, and it would ignore federal guidelines prohibiting the disclosure of information related to an ongoing investigation. I'm sure that was in the mind of these FBI and DOJ officials when they were leaking like hell on Donald Trump right up to the election. And in an interview in April, ABC News chief anchor George Stephanopoulos, a.k.a. Clintonoid with hemorrhoids, asked Comey, if Attorney General Lynch had ordered you not to send the letter, would you have sent it? No, Comey responded. I believe in the chain of command. So, see, Comey is a fraud. He's a liar. He's a hypocrite. But in backing Trump's ultimate decision to fire Comey last year, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein slammed Comey's letter to Congress and said it was wrong for Comey to usurp the Attorney General's authority when he announced in July 2016 that the FBI would not be filing charges against Clinton or her aides. Now, this is fascinating uh, that Rosenstein would say 
that it was wrong for Comey to usurp the Attorney General's authority when Com- uh, excuse me, when Rosenstein usurped the Attorney General's authority in the incredibly broad mandate that he provided to Mr. Mueller when he appointed him special counsel, thereby violating the appointments clause. It's not the function of the FBI director to make such an announcement, Rosenstein said in a letter to Trump recommending Comey be fired. At most, the director should have said the FBI had completed its investigation and presented its findings to federal prosecutors. Which again raises the question, why is Rosenstein still involved and he didn't recuse himself? He recommended that Comey be fired, you recall. And by the way, he recommended that Comey be fired, and the Democrats have been calling for Comey's head right up to the nanosecond that Donald Trump actually fired the guy. Then all of a sudden, they turned on Trump, of course. Now, Horowitz's draft report cited Comey for failing to consult with Loretta Lynch and other senior Justice Department officials before making his announcement on national TV. While saying there was no clear evidence that Clinton intended to violate the law, Comey insisted the former Secretary of State was extremely careless in her handling of very sensitive, highly classified information. Lynch had taken the unusual step of publicly declaring she would accept the FBI's recommendation in the case after an impromptu meeting with the former president, Bill Clinton, sparked questions about her impartiality. Well, of course. She accepted Comey's findings because Comey was in the tank. Just like Stroke and Page were in the tank. Just like McCabe were in the tank. And uh, people, well, well, then why did he release the letter uh, right before the election? Why did, why did he, excuse me, release the uh, information about the emails right before the election and so forth? Because he needed to clear the deck. Remember what I've said over and over again. They thought she would win under all circumstances. So he needed to clear the deck. Any possible charges whatsoever, any me- emails whatsoever, he needed to get out of the way. So he was, he was doing some house cleaning. And Loretta Lynch, of course, she wanted to stay on as attorney general. Of course she took his recommendation. Look, he didn't consult with me. Look, he defied authority. But I agree with him. Rubber stamp. Now, Comey has defended his decisions as FBI director, insisting he was trying to protect the FBI from even further criticism and didn't see that I had a choice, he said. Now, now let's step back a second. Donald Trump is being trashed for firing Comey. The morons on the late night shows, the morons on CNN, the morons on MSNBC, the morons all throughout the media were attacking Trump. The Mueller uh, investigation is, is looking into whether or not this uh, obstructed justice and so forth. And not only did Rosenstein recommend his removal, that is Comey, and not only was that endorsed by the Attorney General Sessions, but here's the point everybody's missing today. And I even heard them, but I just know they're missing. Why else is this important? Why else is this important? Because if you have an FBI director who at times defies authority, then he should be fired. In other words, there was a reason, many reasons, to fire Comey. In addition to the president's constitutional prerogative to to fire an inferior employee, which was not in dispute, except if you're a liberal and a reporter and an investigator, that's the way the Constitution works. 
But the point is Trump had many reasons to fire Comey. And this underscores the fact that Mr. Comey was a very, very bad employee. That he was insubordinate at times. Now, through all of his book interviews and reviews, except for Brett Baer for the most part, he got friendly questions. He was trashing the president. He goes on the social media, takes his cheap shots, says the president will be held to account in so many words. And the media could care less at the time what Comey did. They never questioned whether or not he defied authority or was insubordinate to the things that he did publicly that we know that he did. Because for them, anyone, anything, any issue that can be used to trash the president or bring him down is fine by the media. We'll be right back. in. defense of Trey Gowney today. That's what the world wants you to believe, but I'm going to give you the backstory on this. Trey Gowdy out there been defending the FBI's use in a counterintelligence investigation of a spy in Trump world. And Paul Ryan came to his defense today. Is that actually the facts? That's not. But let's listen to Paul Ryan, then I'll explain it. Cut one, go. I think Chairman Gowdy's initial assessment is accurate. Uh, I think Uh, But we have some more digging to do. Uh, We're waiting for some more document requests. We have some more documents to review. We still have someone to answer questions. It would have been helpful if we got this information earlier. As Chairman Nudis said just the other day, if we got all the information we're looking for, we could wrap this up faster. But I have seen no evidence to the contrary of of the initial assessment that Chairman Gowdy has made. Uh, But I want to make sure that we run every lead down and make sure we get final answers to these questions. I'll I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to keep commenting on more classified stuff. Yeah. Let me me tell you what actually happened here, ladies and gentlemen. The FBI director, Ray, and individuals at the Department of Justice have been talking to the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, and pressing him to back off, to tell his troops to back off of this issue of a spy in the Trump campaign. A lot of the mainstream Republican media, the rhinos who are on TV and elsewhere, have been voicing this position. Certain individuals have been voicing this position who normally wouldn't, and they've been praised on MSNBC and CNN, among other places. That's not what happened. Paul Ryan told Trey Gowdy to make the case that Ray, the FBI director, had been making to them to tamp it down. Gowdy, despite all the reputation out there about what a great conservative he is, he's not a great conservative. Gowdy was a, uh, was a hand puppet for Boehner, and he's a hand puppet for Ryan. He's never challenged them. He's never going to challenge them. He does their dirty work. He didn't achieve anything much on the Benghazi committee. And they put him as chairman of the Benghazi committee. And he hasn't done damn near anything when it comes to uncovering what's taken place in this massive scandal. So he defends the FBI. Keeps using the word informant. In the context of a criminal investigation. 
when it is a counterterrorism investigation, and we have spies in counterterrorism investigations, this is not normal. And in fact, the Trump campaign in Trump world was being investigated, as even Comey himself testified in March of 2017. So Gowdy is a surrogate for Paul Ryan, the speaker. It is the speaker who has him and others, and of course Gowdy will deny it, that's too bad. I'm just telling you what I know as a fact. It is the speaker who has relented uh, because of the pressure from the FBI director, and so now this is how you know where Paul Ryan's coming from and where Gowdy's coming from. Now, I can tell you, because Mr. Gowdy's never worked in Maine Justice, and Mr. Ryan has never worked in any aspects of the Justice Department, that this professor, Stephen Halper, was a spy. You can look it up in the Oxford Dictionary, or you can just understand what spies do. There are all kinds of spies. And he was reporting to the FBI. He was not working on the Trump campaign independently. He was there to try and pick off a few of these people. Paul Ryan has done a grave disservice because we need to get to the bottom of all the Svengalis who've been behind this, all the people in the shadows who are involved in this. I'll be right back. Vote for Mark today for the National Radio Hall of Fame. You can vote by text and email. Text the number 500 to 96,000 and vote at radiovote.com. And we much appreciate that. The voting is on. It's much like a, uh, a race, if you will. This is how the Radio Hall of Fame chooses to do it. So we choose to participate. If we participate... You know, we like to come out on top, and I can only do that with you, Livingites out there. So we much appreciate it. You know, there is an uh, incredible story out there. And, you know, I'm going to tell you this story, and I'm going to tell you. What, what are we learning from all these stories about what was done with the FBI, the intelligence services, what I just told you about Paul Ryan and Trey Gowdy, the unmasking of American citizens, um, just how thoroughly corrupt the federal government has become. Thoroughly corrupt. And unmoored from the Constitution. People want an all-powerful central government. Now we have one. And many of the same people who want an all-powerful central government, which means an all-powerful president, then... uh, only support an all-powerful central government with an all-powerful president if it's the president they want. Otherwise, they want to remove a president that is not the president they want if they can't defeat that president with the Electoral College and at the ballot. And so that's what's going on. And then they go on and on about how this president's violating the Constitution. They don't even like the Constitution. They want to keep changing. Wow, that Electoral College, you know. That was created by slaveholders, separation of powers. That was created by uh, slaveholders. And, you know, the slaves and the slaveholders, and, uh, and you go on and on and on. And then they wave it around. Well, look at that Constitution. He's violating the Constitution. Well, I thought it was a useless document created by very immoral men. No, 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 you don't understand. It's there to protect us. 
Tyranny knows no logic. Tyranny knows no consistency. And the left, their ideology is an ideology of tyranny. That's what it is. Now, this Iran deal, we should be so thankful the President of the United States scrapped it for so many reasons. But the the deal itself was so corrupt, so corrupt, that we're still learning about it. Members of Congress don't know all the facts. And we, the people, don't know all the facts. And that's one of the reasons you run this sort of thing through the treaty provision of the Constitution. So members of the Senate can get all the facts. So there aren't all these side deals and secret side deals and illegalities. What am I talking about now? So desperate was Barack Obama and John Kerry and their ilk, that regime, to prop up the Iranian regime. Think about this. So desperate were they that they were trying to figure out ways to get them U.S. dollars or euros because their currency is worth crap. They were trying to figure out ways to circumvent the very deal that they entered into that prevented them from giving any financial assistance to the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran. So the deal itself was a sellout, but it didn't sell out enough. And on numerous occasions, the Secretary of the Treasury, whose name you probably forgot, his name is Lou, L-E-W, Secretary Lou, and others in the administration from the State Department, represented to Congress that the Obama administration was not involved in working with the Iranian regime to assist them through our financial system, which they were desperate to do. That is the Iranians. And so this report came out now by a committee of the Senate. And I want you to see how ABC News has the title of this report. Connor Fennigan, whoever the hell that is. Obama administration granted Iran secret license to access U.S. dollars. GOP report. So this committee in the United States Senate, which is controlled by the Republicans, issues this report, so they call it a Republican report. Can you remember them ever calling a report from a committee of Congress when the Democrats control one or both branches of Congress a Democrat report? Of course not. So here in part is what this ABC News has to say. The Obama administration quietly gave a special license to Iran to access the U.S. financial system despite U.S. sanctions and its own statements to the contrary, according to a new report by Senate Republicans. While the report stopped short of accusing the Obama administration of lying, the investigators who worked on the report said it was clear to them that top officials misled Congress and the American people about the transactions. Quote, the Obama administration misled the American people in Congress because they were desperate to get a deal with Iran, said Senator Rob Portman, the GOP chairman of the Senate's Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations, who published the report. Let me tell you about this Senate Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations. It has more power than any other committee in Congress, on the Senate side, at least. It has independent subpoena authority. They don't have to get it approved by the Senate or anything else. The committee, a majority, can just do it. 
granting, here's ABC News, granting the license was not illegal, but the new disclosure gives more ammunition to critics of President Obama who say the Iran nuclear deal gave too much to the, that country's regime. How is it not illegal? How is it not illegal when the deal forbids it? Now, I read this report. It's a substantial report. I read it today. I'm going to talk about it at length on Levin TV. Not only did the Obama administration pressure at least two American banks to try and launder, that's the word, launder Iranian currency through our banks so they could have access to dollars, Not only did the Obama administration pressure two American banks, if not more, to do that, and they said no, by the way. They said, no, 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 no. We'll get in trouble. That's unlawful. That's not the rules. They actually had a seminar overseas to try and teach the banks in other countries how to get around the sanctions provisions, how to get what they call sanction relief. Under the deal, the Obama administration was a special pleader for the Iranian regime, the terrorist regime. The Obama administration was putting political pressure on American banks to do that, which they are forbidden from doing. The Obama administration went overseas to try and encourage foreign banks to launder. That's the word. It's not in the report, but trust me, you can read it to launder this. Iranian currency through euros and so forth, $5.7 billion. Turns out it was actually more. So let's get a little in the weeds. They were trying to get a specific license, a specific license to make it possible for these two banks to launder all or part of this $5.7 billion. Then they tried to get a general license So you didn't have to keep coming back for a specific license. Both ultimately failed. Except the foreign banks, the European banks, did in fact launder some of the Iranian money, the currency. And you had Obama administration officials lying to Congress. I wonder where Trey Gowdy and Paul Ryan come down on this. I wonder where the hapless Richard Burr, the head of the Senate Intelligence Committee, comes down on this. Where the hell are the Republicans, anyway? There's a handful of patriots up there who keep trying to get to the bottom of stuff. Where are they? Well, they're missing in action. So now what do we do about this? Well, thank goodness the President of the United States killed this deal. And, of course, he was attacked for it. But it was a courageous and proper thing what the president did. But here's what I would do again if I were in control of Congress on the Republican side. I would hold these officials who testified and lied in contempt. I would refer the contempts to the U.S. attorney in Washington, D.C. And I would ask the U.S. attorney in Washington, D.C. to investigate with a federal grand jury, and, if appropriate, to charge these former Obama officials. None of them are ever charged. 
None of them are ever held to account. They lie through their teeth. They lie through their teeth on Obamacare. They lie through their teeth on DACA. They lie through their teeth on the IRS. They lie through their teeth on Fast and Furious. They just lied as a matter of course, as liberals do, as progressives do, because otherwise they can't get away with what they want to get away with. But so now we have this committee of Congress who's caught them red-handed, fingerprints everywhere, DNA everywhere. But I doubt that McConnell and or Paul Ryan will do a damn thing about it other than wave it around. And in that sense, what the hell good is it? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. If you've missed out on the Mother's Day sale from Chaminade, then today is your lucky day. Seriously. Right now, when you order Genesel, you will get the new Genesel eyelid lift for droopy, saggy eyelids free. And for the first time ever, and I'm challenged even pronouncing this, you'll also get the world-famous Crystallis Microdermabrasion, also free. Yes, the best sale of the year just got better. Now, here's Claire from Raleigh, North Carolina. She wrote, I've been using your products for three days. My husband already noticed the texture of my skin. It's looking so good. It feels nice and smooth with lots of moisture. The bags under my eyes are minimal now. So far, so good, unquote. You know, plus with its immediate effects included, you'll see results in 12 hours guaranteed or your money back. Let me repeat that. You'll see results in 12 hours guaranteed or your money back. Nobody does that. So call their toll-free number, 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or visit Genesel.com. Experience the power of looking and feeling your best every morning. Order today and say goodbye to bags and puffiness tomorrow. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or visit Genesel.com, Genesel.com. That's 800-SKIN-604. All right. Let's get some good calls here, shall we? Josh, Fairfax, Virginia, the great W-M-A-L. Go. Hi, Mark. Thanks so much for uh, for taking my call. Um, it was just, uh, as you were talking about the IG report, for the portion of it that was leaked earlier, I, I found myself wondering, um, you know, since you've been advising that uh, that so much of the what's going on is, is designed to protect Barack Obama, if this IG report might not be written in a way that is designed to provide a smokescreen or a firewall between uh, the FBI's behavior and Barack Obama. How so? Well, if you can point to an official record, an IG report, that says, uh, that finds that uh, Jim Comey and the FBI were defiant or insubordinate, disobeying orders or going rogue, then... I think defiant, not of Obama. Remember, Obama's playing dope, uh, dope-a-rope. He's pretending he doesn't know anything. I think defiant of the attorney general, or at least defiant of the process in which the FBI has to go to the prosecutors in the department, the director can't just make a uh, a decision on his own. I mean, you could be right, but I don't think that's what the IG's up to. Good to go, Mark. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate your response, sir. All right, buddy. Appreciate your call. I have an idea. Let's continue. Let's see if I can find my... Uh, oh, there it is. Gary, Knoxville, Tennessee, XM Satellite, go. Thank you for taking my call, Mark, and uh, 
Thank you for what you do. I'm addicted to your show. Thank you. But we, we wait for a bated breath of this IG report with some leaks coming out that this and this happened. But let me see if I get this straight. All we right. had the greatest criminal acts perpetrated against the American citizenry, and those participants all receive a report of what they we believe they did and what we believe their fellow participants did. Not only that, we allow them to communicate amongst <laughs> each other before we even get to know what's going on. That's a good point, is, isn't it? Is, is, is this, what is going on? Let's, mm-hmm. let's flip the switch. Let's give Trump the same deal. Let's get Mueller to give a report to Trump exactly what he thinks Trump did, exactly all the participants that he thinks happened, and give them all a report. Let them talk amongst themselves and get their stories straight. You know what, sir? You know what, sir? You're a sharp dude. Oh, it's pissing me off. It's like every time I listen to your show, I think my blood pressure goes up 200 points. Well, imagine how I feel. I'm the guy doing the talking. (laughs) Thank you for doing what you do. Again, I really do appreciate it. And uh, enough accolades can't go your way for what you do. And more people need to be doing this. And, of course, they're going to try and... No, but you make an excellent point. Will uh, Donald Trump and his lawyers have an opportunity to comment on any report that Mueller prepares? I think that's a great point. Uh, it just it just makes my blood pressure. They're trying. You know, the IG report to me is now like a vehicle to cover up Obama, allowing everybody to get their story. Well, let's straight see. Let's see what it, let's see what it says. Let's see what happens. But the potential certainly exists. You're correct. All right, my brother Gary. That's an excellent call. And by the way. All of let's try this. All of you out there right now who have cell phones, pull them out if you would. Take them out. Take them out. Go to the text section of your cell phone. Let's see if we can do this in a massive wave and draw the attention of this National Radio Hall of Fame like it's never been done before. All you Levinites out there, let's do a little mini search. Anybody with an iPhone, an Android, whatever kind of cell phone you have, take it out. Go to the text part. And vote right now. Let's do it all in unison. Can we do that, Mr. Producer? Let's do it all in unison. You want to text the number 500 to 96,000. The number 500 to 96,000. Let's do it all together. Ready? You want to text to 96,000. You put that in, what do they call that? The address section or whatever it is. 96000 and then put in the body the message the number 500 500 have we done that come on now we can all do it a lot of you are sitting in your cars right now mark i'm not allowed to pick up the phone just keep it below your waist or below your uh, chest text the number 500 to 96000 now you can also go online all of you right now who are on a computer on a laptop, whatever device you have. Those of you who are in cars but not driving, you can go online to RadioVote.com. Let's all do this together. Go to RadioVote.com. Are you there yet? RadioVote.com. And you're going to see two categories. There's a category of singers and all the rest. I'm not in that category, but you have to make a vote. Even if you vote to abstain, you have to do that. Then you go to the next category, and there's like four of us. And there's a picture of my mug and also a button next to it. Can you click that and then submit it? Let's do it as a massive audience. 
RadioVote.com. <coughs> you can vote both ways. You can vote twice. Once by text, once by email. All right? I really appreciate that, too. The National Radio Hall of Fame is encouraging us to do this. So they don't have to tell me twice. These are Chicago rules. And I love Chicago. WLS, our home there. I was there on there this morning as well. So we want to take advantage of this as we can. All the others are doing exactly the same thing. But I'm convinced we have a more motivated and larger audience. I'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Now, we have something that's really incongruous. It's, it's very odd, if you will. If you were to say to somebody you're going to take their social security away from them, they would flip out, right? If you say to seniors across the country, they would riot. If you say to seniors across the country that you're going to take their Medicare away from them, it's unthinkable. Social security and Medicare, right? Unthinkable. Well, what if I were to tell you that according to the trustees of Medicare and the trustees of Social Security, that Medicare will be depleted in 2026? Now, this is 2018. How far away is 2026, Mr. Producer? Eight years away by my calculation, using the old math. And Social Security will be depleted by 2034. That's 16 years from now, by my calculation, using old math. And this isn't a top story. I saved it for hour two. But this is a big, big story. And these... Trustees of these programs keep warning us that it's getting worse and worse and worse. Now, why is it getting worse and worse and worse? The population is aging. And the cost, particularly of Medicare, keep going up and up and up. Now, the radical left progressives, illustrative of Bernie Sanders, Bernie the Red, believe that Medicare should be offered to everybody. Bernie the Red believes that Medicare should be offered to everybody. Well, that would clearly destroy this program in about two years. But Bernie's not very good at math, the old math or the new math, because he is a Marxist. Social Security. It's going to run out, too. So what exactly... Is our government doing about it? Exactly nothing. Exactly nothing. I wrote a book called Plunder and Deceit. It's two books ago. And I wrote extensively 
about our national debt, about the environment, about minimum wage, immigration, education, national security, our Constitution. But in Chapter 3, I wrote extensively about Social Security and the condition it's in. And in Chapter 4, I wrote extensively about Medicare and the condition it's in and how Obamacare would destroy Medicare even faster than Congress and past presidents have been destroying it. Because Obamacare takes money out of Medicare. And in none of these reports I read today did they lay a glove on Obama and Obamacare. Not a word about Obamacare. Not a word. And what they're saying here is that the Medicare Trust Fund, this is from the New York Slimes, the Holocaust-denying New York Slimes, the Medicare Trust Fund will be depleted in 2026, eight short years. By contrast, the government said last year that the trust fund would be exhausted in 2029. That's a big gap. Three years, 2026 versus 2029. From one year to the next, we lose three years. How did that happen? Obamacare is how it happened. Now, I strongly defend our president when I believe he should be defended. I believe that the way he's been treated by the media is outrageous and contemptible. His entire family, the way they've been treated. Where's Stormy Daniels tonight? She's off the face of the earth. We don't even hear about her. She filed a frivolous lawsuit today to draw attention to herself. Where's the slip and fall uh, porn lawyer? We don't hear about him anymore. Where's the idiot fiction writer? Michael Wolf. He's gone. Where's the idiot professor with the uh, mental uh, issues uh, uh, where she was asserting against Trump? Gone. On to the next thing. But this story will not be covered as it needs to be covered by any cable channel. This story will not be covered as it needs to be covered by any network channel, by any satellite channel, by anyone but me. Because most people on Social Security and Medicare simply don't believe that it's going to run out. Simply don't believe that there's going to be a problem. Surely the government will step in. Well, what if the government doesn't have the resources to step in? Now, we are running out of time for for rational things to be done about this. We are running out of time. And rational things can be done about this. We have a Republican president, a Republican House, and a Republican Senate. There is no excuse. If the Democrats block it, the Democrats block it. But they don't bring it up. They don't bring it up because they think it's, it's bad politically. They'll lose seats. Now, let me tell you what's bad politically. If these programs collapse and drag the rest of the economy with it. These are massive programs. Now, those of us who work contribute to both programs. Most of the people who are receiving Social Security and Medicare have also contributed to both programs. So what happened? Two things. All the money stolen out of the trust funds. Stolen because they, they, they have such an insatiable appetite for spending money. They stole it out of the trust funds. Now, if anybody else did that, they'd be going to prison for the rest of their lives. Except under criminal justice reform, they might be uh, released. What's the second point? They're mathematically impossible, as they're set up right now. Both programs are mathematically impossible. So what do you do when something becomes mathematically impossible? You need to modify them, right? You need to adjust them. 
but they won't do it. Let's take Social Security as an example. It's actually quite simple to address this. Very difficult politically. If you're 55 and older, it's too late for you to adjust your investments in a pension plan or what have you. It's just too late. You're too old. If you're 55, 65, 75, 85, 90, so it's not rational to expect people who are in that age group to be able to adjust to a significant change in Social Security or Medicare for that matter. But let's just pick one to keep it simple, Social Security. So what do you do? What do you do is everybody 55 and older is grandfathered in. You leave them alone. You leave them alone. But everybody who's under 55, it has to be adjusted. And you need to introduce some market principles. You need to introduce some market principles. And you raise the age where you become eligible for Social Security if people are under 55 by a couple of years. And by raising it a couple of years, you actually save the program a few decades. Why won't they do it? I'll tell you why. And I write about it in my book. The Democrat Party, every time a suggestion is made, argues that you should expand Social Security, you should expand Medicare, while they're stealing the money out of these trust funds, which is why there's nothing left. And the deceit of the federal government, it's incredible. If you get a pay stub, and I get some pay stubs, you can see there's a deduction for Medicare, right? Right, Mr. Producer? There's a deduction for Social Security. You have the FICA tax. And right, and, the, and, and that makes you think that that money's specifically going in an account for you, right? But it's not. Even though they'll send you Social Security every now and then, maybe every six months, whenever it is. We'll send, the, uh, we'll send people... This is the amount of money in, in your account. This is the amount of money you're eligible for as a pension if you retire when you're 62, when you're this, when you're that. There's no money in your account. You don't even have an account. They've turned it into a Ponzi scheme. Nobody survives a Ponzi scheme. No government can survive a Ponzi scheme. Medicare... Of course, most of the people on Medicare like it. Why wouldn't you like it? It's not perfect, but you get 90% of what you want or need through Medicare. But there need to be some market principles applied to people or to a system. Or it can't sustain itself. It can't sustain itself. People on Medicare who I have great compassion for. Again, they had no choice. They paid into Medicare and they expected their insurance. The problem is it's not insurance. All the money's been stolen by the government for good causes, so don't worry, of course. But it's not self-sustaining because the vast majority of people in Medicare take out far more in terms of medical services than they ever paid in. So the people paying in now are subsidizing the costs that are taking place today. Typically, that's how insurance works. The problem is when you have the government in charge of it, there is no market competition. There's nothing. Zero. 
And so once again, for people under 55, there are many suggestions out there, many plans out there, which would help stave off the imminent bankruptcy of Medicare in eight years. Now you'll have people write the same economic frauds and illiterates. Don't worry about any of this stuff. They can't go bankrupt because, you know, the government can just raise taxes. The government can use more of the uh, general funds. The government, that only goes so far. When you consider the debt we have, which is enormous, and these programs, Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, my idiot state of Virginia, they just voted to expand Medicaid. All these states voting to expand Medicaid. A lot of the Republican governors, Kasich, Chris Christie, they all supported expanding Medicaid because they got fast money from the federal government under Obamacare. 100% reimbursement. So they can say, look at me, I can balance the budget. And I'm humane and compassionate. Medicaid is another massive debt hole. It's a poverty program. Supposed to be. But the definition of poverty keeps getting broader and broader and broader and broader. And, of course, the more people who, let, let me let me just put it to you this way. The debt is massive. Student loan debt is massive. The interest on the debt is massive. These trustees, they're not liars. You have the Obama trustees. You have the Trump trustee. They're saying the same thing. Medicare is headed for the wall in eight years. Social Security in 18 years. We have people coming across the border. Despite all the propaganda, we know, as a matter of fact, local communities, states, and the federal government, it is a drain. It's not like we're choosing the rocket scientist. It is a drain on our budgets at every level of government. It's a drain on our hospitals and medical care. It's a drain on our educational system. It's a drain on law enforcement. You have all the wrong Arguments, all the wrong directions being taken in every one of these areas. Which makes it, well, scary. That's why I wrote the book Plunder and Deceit. I'm not hawking it. If I hawked it even now, what, I'd sell three of them? It doesn't matter. And this is what we're going to leave to our children and grandchildren. A complete and utter disaster. When we're gone, they're going to be here. And we have created for them a complete and utter disaster. And I often wondered, how can you be a leftist, a so-called progressive, and love your children and grandchildren when, in the political sense, in the macro sense, you support policies and vote for politicians who are going to destroy your children and grandchildren? And I'm not kidding. And I try and address that in Plunder and Deceit. Because there are answers. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. This is why the federal government, in one party or the other, wants more and more power. We should reject it at every turn. It can't even manage the affairs it's created for itself over a period of more than half a century. I'd say the last 80 to 90 years. 
basic math it rejects, basic knowledge it rejects, basic information it rejects. doesn't matter how many reports these trustees put out or the GAO puts out or the CBO puts out or the Federal Reserve puts out or the RAND Corporation or other private corporations put out and think tanks and so forth. They just chug along. These politicians have no guts. They have no judgment. They have no wisdom. And they're going to drag your children and grandchildren into the sewer, economically and every other way. Now, I've heard it said really absurdly, well, this hasn't happened yet. We hear these threats all the time. It's not a matter of it not happening yet. It's a matter of it happening eventually. It will happen eventually, and it has happened to other societies. And when it happens, you'll know about it, trust me, because your savings will be worthless. Inflation will go through the roof. The currency will be worthless. And the law of the jungle will take over the rule of law under our constitutional system. And that's what happens when you rely on these people, these progressives, and people like them, and not just them, Republicans too, to reign over society. They don't know how to reign over society. They know how to get reelected. They know how to outspend each other. And the fact that this government raises through taxes trillions of dollars every year, but it's not enough. That it has to create massive debt on top of it. That it has to drain the funds out of the so-called Social Security trust funds, Medicare trust funds, highway trust funds. They don't have trust funds. This is a joke. Another way for stealing money from you. And then all we hear is uh, the Marxist claptrap about class warfare and the rich need to pay more. Ladies and gentlemen, there's not enough money on the face of the planet to pay off our debt or even pay off a piece of it. It's utterly out of control, and no politician wants to talk about it. None. Not one. And so it is they who will eventually destroy that which they create. It is they who will destroy the welfare state. It is they who will destroy Social Security. It is they who will destroy Medicaid. It is they who will destroy Medicare. And in doing so, they will destroy the greatest economic system on the face of the earth. And they will destroy the greatest constitution on the face of the earth. I often wonder what this country will look like 20, 30, 50 years ago. I used to say 100 or 200 years ago. But there's been so much change in the last several decades, change for the worse. I hear people get on radio and TV when I happen to catch them telling us how this is really a conservative era right now. Really? Well, the Republicans have enshrined Obamacare. The Republicans have enshrined DACA. There have been some good things done by the president, no question about it. But on these big things that Obama did, looks like they're here forever. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, making conservatism great again. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. Oh, yes. You know, you keep getting those uh, invitations in your mailbox, in fact, you've already joined many of you, the AARP. 
Now you thought, hey, it's uh, less than 20 bucks a year. They help with insurance plans, travel, other discounts. It will pay for itself 10 times over. So you joined, right? A liberal lobbying group that spends your hard-earned dollars lobbying against what you believe in and stand for. That's why a decade ago, Dan Weber founded AMAC. AMAC is also less than $20 a year. AMAC also helps with insurance plans, travel, other wonderful discounts. An AMAC's card will also pay for itself 10 times over. But when you choose AMAC, your dollars go to support the ideals that you believe in, like protecting our borders with common sense immigration, getting rid of Obamacare, and, and so much more. AMAC gets its voice from you, the member. From you, the member. Over a million strong, join now at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Chances are you're going to join an organization when you turn 50, so choose wisely. Join the one that represents you. I've joined. Join AMAC today, A-M-A-C dot U-S. All right. Let's take some calls here. Casey, Savannah, Georgia, the great WTKS, go. Hello. Um, my mother has a best friend in Wichita, Kansas, who works with the gentleman who married a Chinese girl. He brought her over here, and they brought their mother over here, and the mother is collecting Social Security. Hmm. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with the lady. She's collecting Social Security, never paid in a day in her life, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with her. Yeah, so she's eligible for Social Security. I guess she became a United States citizen and uh, and hit the age requirements, right? I guess via the, um, you know, having being brought over by her daughter, but she's never paid in. She's, yeah, I heard you. She's never nothing. Yeah, well, um, we're a very generous country, aren't we? To the point of self-destruction. Yes, we are. And I appreciate your call. And all day long, i got to sit here and listen to Democrats and Republicans alike crying over the fact that when parents come here illegally and bring their children illegally, that in some cases... The children are separated from the parents because the parents might be prosecuted or the parents are going into the uh, the administrative law system. And obviously, you're not going to do the same to the children. So they have to have a place to go, at least temporarily. And all I hear is how horrible America is, how horrible our system is. Now, that's been in place for decades, decades. So what's really going on here is the hard left, which includes the media, are always looking for an angle, an angle to trash the country. And an angle to promote their agenda. An angle to destroy what exists and to transform one institution or another. So the way they see it, if a parent comes here illegally and they come here with their children, then they shouldn't be separated. Okay, so if you're incarcerating the parent, what happens to the children? You know what their answer is? Don't incarcerate the parent. So there you have it. Open borders, illegal aliens running around the countryside, eventually becoming citizens and voting Democrat, the vast majority of them. The left isn't compassionate, folks. The left is strategic. 
We could build a wall. We could build other things on the southern border, use other technologies on the southern border, really beef it up to limit the number of people who come here illegally, but they don't want to. And they've demonstrated that decade after decade after decade. They do not want to. But let me tell you a little secret. Most of the Republicans don't want to either. You have a a group of Republicans in the House and the Senate who are demanding that we give citizenship to 1.8 million people who are here illegally. They call them dreamers, children who are like 30 years old in many cases or 28 years old or 17 years old. Well, they're not 17 years old. They came here. Or the rare one is 17 years old. We're talking about 2007 and before. And the way the progressives handle this, the left, is that if you don't agree with them, you hate people. If you don't agree with them, you're inhumane. So if you don't create a new massive program to redistribute wealth to this group or that group or this income group or that income group or those people or that person or whatever it is, then there's something wrong with you. And immediately the Republicans buckle. And by the way, not just Republicans, so-called conservatives. They buy into this. So everything is defined by the logic or lack thereof of the left. That's the reality we live in. That's the world we live in. So when you say today we're destroying Medicare and Social Security, if you haven't hit 55, we need to adjust it, then they will accuse you of destroying Social Security and Medicare. If you do not think people coming here illegally should benefit from our programs, then you must be a racist. There's something wrong with you. If you do not believe parents should come into this country illegally and drag their kids with them, that they will, out of necessity, be separated because the parents have to go through the uh, administrative law system and the children do not, then there's something wrong with you. That means you oppose families. And you want to break children away from parents. No accountability placed upon the illegal alien parent who comes into this country and creates the situation. It's you, the barbarians out there, the deplorables out there, who just won't go along with the program and the next program and the next program and the program after that. So they then they they glom onto this new idea Oh, you're separating children from parents. Obama, uh, uh, what? Trump is doing that. They all did it. It's the law. It's the law. The very people going on TV whining about it are members of body that passed the law. But that's not even the point. The point is to trash the president and to destroy what's left of our immigration system. As they destroy our... Uh, our financial system with this massive debt, this endless massive debt. I'm not taking caller one. If Obama's guilty, can he be prosecuted? Of course he can. He's a private citizen right now, so we're not going to waste time on that question. I just answered it. Charlotte, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, on the Mark Levin app. Go ahead. Yes, thank you. I wanted to ask you, did Obama give aid and comfort to the enemy of the state. Well, uh, you mean Iran. In my view, he did more than that. He actually gave them aid. Yes. And so yes. that's treason. Could be a lot of things. What do you want him to hang, lady? Is that, is that what you're arguing? You think he should get the death penalty? I don't care if he does or doesn't. Well, I do care. That's ridiculous. It's absurd. No, but I do think these uh, former officials and so forth should be held to account. It could be short of treason and capital punishment, ma'am. 
that's for sure. Don, Twin Cities, Minnesota, XM Satellite. Go ahead. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Long-time listener, and I just want to let you know that I did vote for you for the Hall of Fame. Thank you, sir. You're, you're the man, baby. <laughs> I got a question for you regarding the Convention of States and all these problems that we're having with Social Security and Medicare. Is there any way through the Convention of States, which I have signed the petition for, can we address Social Security and Medicare and, and try and get it fixed? Of course you can. You know, Social Security, and this will upset people, I'm just giving you a historical fact, and I wrote about this in my uh, third book, Liberty and Tyranny, the big book. Social Security, when it was created, was unconstitutional. Uh, the In the New Deal, when they created it, uh, they argued that it was a uh, direct tax. It's not a direct tax. And then they argued it wasn't a tax at all because people were receiving a benefit. Uh, so they made these contrary arguments. The Supreme Court at the time uh, wanted to uphold Social Security, so it turned the Constitution into a pretzel, and it, and it, and it accepted the fiction. Okay, it's here. It's been here a long time. It's been here uh, over 80 years. Can it be fixed? Yes, it can be fixed, but the people in Washington are not going to fix it. They're going to just keep trying to figure out how to pump money into it, and rather than uh, people under 55 having to have it adjusted, adjusted with the new math, that is, that there are uh, more elderly people than young people in terms of paying into the system, uh, and also um, uh, the, the, the fact that people live a lot longer than they used to. You know, this age 65, you know where it comes from, Don? It comes from I the have 18, no it, it comes from the 1800s. Germany had the first social security system in the mid-1800s. And they picked the age 65. Do you know why they picked the age 65? Because the vast majority of the population didn't live to 65. And so that age 65 continues. And um, the vast majority of people in this country live beyond the age of 65. So actuarially, you need to adjust it. And you need to adjust it, and yet not mistreat people who are over 55 who really have no way of, um, of changing their investments, of changing their plans, because it's just too late. And so people who are paying into Social Security now who are under 55, people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, you need to adjust the program. They won't do it. And every time you try to do it, they claim you want to kick senior citizens out of Social Security. That's not true. All right, thanks for your call, sir. I appreciate your vote, too. Now, what is he talking about? Come on, you know what he's talking about. Can you pull the trigger now? Let's do this. All together. Let's do it like a, an army of liberty-loving Americans. Take out your cell phones now. Maybe it's an iPhone, an Android. It really doesn't matter the make or the technology. Take out your cell phone. Go to where you text on your cell phone. And text the number 500 to 96000. Mr. Call Screener said people are calling and saying they're texting you to 9600, 9600. No, there's three zeros. It's 96000. Text the number 500 to 96000. So you can vote that way. There's another way you can vote too, and you're allowed to vote both of them. Okay? You don't have to say, well, I texted and now I'm not doing it. No, you can do both. 
And in fact, these other candidates are pushing their people to do both. That's how we found out about it. Then you can go online to vote, too, in addition to the text. You go to RadioVote.com. It's that simple. RadioVote.com. There's two categories. You've got to vote in both. The first category is not me. I don't sing. Or if I do, I'm not telling you about it. You can vote for one of the people there. There's John Tesh as an example. Or you can vote up there. There's an abstain button, too. You can vote to abstain. And then you get to the next category. And I'm in the next category. There's four of us. Look for my name. Look for my photo. You click that. And then you go ahead and click the submission. So you will have voted once online via email, and you would have voted once by text. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. Mark, you're awfully self-serving promoting this. No, this is what the National Radio Hall of Fame, it wants, it wants audiences involved. They want a race like a candidate going on here, and I say let's give them what they want. So if we can get you Levinites out there to vote both ways, it would be uh, really, really cool and remember this i represent you i represent this format i'm the only one as a conservative talker among the nominees uh i wouldn't even be here but for you my audience so this is reflective of you so we're in this together i'll be right back As high schoolers graduate, are they heading to places where they'll learn why America is the world's freest nation? That we're the first country founded on the principle that all men are created equal? Maybe all the athletes should be forced to go to Hillsdale College. What do you think of that, ladies and gentlemen? Now, will these high schoolers be taught as they graduate the Constitution, our rich history, or what makes America great? You know, there's a place where students study these truths. As I said, it's Hillsdale College. And at Hillsdale, students study what is true, good, and beautiful. By putting in the work to understand these things, students graduate ready to lead. As Vice President Pence said at commencement this year, Hillsdale students learn not what to do, but what to be. Hillsdale also offers its stellar education to you. Through Primus and free online courses like Constitution 101, Every American can learn like a Hillsdale student from the same professors. Most remarkably of all, Hillsdale provides this service to our nation without taking a single penny of taxpayer money. Not one penny. I encourage you to learn how Hillsdale can serve you at a website just for you, my listeners. LevinforHillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. LevinforHillsdale.com. Dot com. Brian, Easton, Pennsylvania, the great WABC. Go. God bless you, Mark. Listen, uh, Easton's you. about 40 minutes north of where Washington crossed the Delaware. And, and to me, that's a very beautiful thing and a somber moment in our history. Listen, Paul Manafort is going after, um, excuse me, Paul Manafort's in trouble. He's going to court on Friday. They're going to revoke his bail. What are your thoughts? I think Robert Mueller is really out of control. That's all I have to say. God well, bless you. well, thank you, sir. And the fellow said he was an attorney. Here's the thing. We don't know all the facts. The facts we get are leaked out from the prosecution or in his public filings. 
You know, I've been hearing liberals saying, well, we have 17 indictments in this case and five guilty pleas. An indictment is a charge. That's all it is. It obviously has crushing consequences for the target. But it's not an adjudication. It's the beginning of the process of an adjudication. So when I hear leftists say this, while on the other hand, they want to open the prison doors for people with cases that have actually been adjudicated, found guilty after jury trials or plea agreements or whatever it is, it really is amazing to me. So now an indictment is good enough. An indictment by Mueller. Mueller brings the indictment through his grand jury, and then we're supposed to say, look how successful he is. He's brought 17 indictments. By the way, that's not 17 different people. That's 17 indictments. Now... It's not clear to me what Mr. Manafort's being accused of. He and apparently a cohort, this is what's being reported, uh, used encryption devices to try to contact people involved uh, in his case and so forth. I don't know if that's true or not. And I don't know what they said in those contacts or not. I just don't know. But there's no question that Mueller will do whatever he can to persuade the court to yank his bail and put him in prison where he won't be able to pay his legal fees, won't be able to make any money. Well, he'll drain all of his resources. Because let's just be honest about this. Whatever Mueller did, right, wrong, or indifferent, excuse me, whatever Manafort did, right, wrong, or indifferent, he's the target of Mueller and his happy band of Democrat prosecutors for one reason and one reason only, to try and get Trump. To try and get Trump. And let me tell you something. If you add 17, make that 18 federal prosecutors with unlimited resources and unlimited power focused on you, it could ruin your day. If we had 18 prosecutors focused on any one of those prosecutors and their tax returns and their livelihoods and what their spouses have done and what they may have said or who, who they may have communicated with, foreign powers or others or whatever it is, I suspect that would ruin their day too. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You know, when I was signing off last night, I don't know why I thought it was June 6th. Get my days all screwed up. I've been doing so many things, so many TV shows, so much radio and so forth, and writing, and I just, sometimes it happens. Well, today is the 6th, obviously. And it's the anniversary of the invasion of... Uh, Normandy, D-Day, June 6, 1944. And we're very interested in American history here, and we're very interested in Americanism and patriotism. So there's this clip I found last year, and I want to play it for you. It's just a few minutes long. From uh, history.com. I would suggest you turn up your volume. If you have children, you want to call them to the radio or to your listening device, whatever it is, and take a listen. Cut 13, go. 
After months of preparation and deception, Eisenhower launches his attack against German-occupied France. 150,000 ground troops jammed onto hundreds of small landing craft leave England and cross the English Channel. They'll land at five different beaches in France, codenamed Juno, Sword, Gold, Utah, and Omaha. As the landing craft approach the beaches, 15,000 aircraft and 7,000 ships provide a coordinated aerial assault on the beaches. At some of the landing sites, the Allied soldiers meet very little resistance. But at beaches like Omaha, it's hell on earth. For many of the Allied soldiers inside the landing craft, these moments before the door opens will be their last. A case of incredible courage in the face of overwhelming horror. I mean, uh, as the la- if you think about it, the landing crafts came up to the beach... And as they came up to the beach, the troops inside the landing craft could hear the machine guns tackering on the outside. The enemy machine gunners switched to what they call FCL, Final Coordination Line. They're going to put as much machine gun fire on the front of that boat. So when it drops, bullets go right through and kill two or three guys at a time. A lot of guys just died that way. Get off the boats. For the soldier lucky enough to survive the initial machine gun barrage, the nightmare is just beginning. He then has to cross 200 yards of mined tidal flats, weighed down with wet, heavy gear. Then, get through another hundred yards of barbed-wired beaches. It's three football fields of death and destruction as German machine guns shred fellow soldiers and friends. If you ever get a chance to visit Nomaha, it will change your whole view about the world. It will change your whole view about America. It will make you realize what incredible heroism was displayed by those guys there. The Allies survive on dead ground by fighting together never giving up. Putting an army in a situation where it must fight or die. And they fought. And they fought well and and they survived. Through bravery and determination, the troops are able to take all five landing sites at Normandy. Despite all of the complex planning that went into the, the invasion of Normandy, it was the small unit tactics and the buddies fighting side by side that wins the battle of the beaches and that's consistent throughout history. You see why uh, so many people have contempt for these football players now, and even for LeBron James and Steph Curry and Steve Kerr. This is what the national anthem is all about. Those football players may be tough, but they're not as tough as those men from every neighborhood in America, all races. All those men who invaded Normandy. Just one of the horrific battles fought in World War II. 
All those men who were killed right there on the beach. Or the Vietnam War. Or the Korean War. This is why so many of us who've had family members who served in these wars or who understand history and seriously understand our history and embrace it, who don't trash our country, but revere our country. This is why we look upon multimillionaire football players, multimillionaire basketball players who tell us about their rights, who make spectacles of themselves. This is why we look upon them with such dripping contempt. They haven't sacrificed a damn thing. They haven't supported the military either. They just say they do. President Reagan, in one of his great speeches, on June 6, 1984, then the 40th anniversary of D-Day, spoke on that beach. Now, we'll play part of this for you as well. Cut 14, go. Forty summers have passed since the battle that you fought here. You were young the day you took these cliffs. Some of you were hardly more than boys with the deepest joys of life before you. Yet you risked everything here. Why? Why did you do it? Well, what impelled you to put aside the instinct for self-preservation and risk your lives to take these cliffs? What inspired all the men of the armies that met here? We look at you and somehow we know the answer. It was faith and belief. It was loyalty and love. The men of Normandy had faith that what they were doing was right. Faith that they fought for all humanity. Faith that a just God would grant them mercy on this beachhead or on the next. It was the deep knowledge, and pray God we have not lost it, that there is a profound moral difference between the use of force for liberation and the use of force for conquest. You were here to liberate, not to conquer, and so you and those others did not doubt your cause, and you were right not to doubt. You all knew that some things are worth dying for. One's country is worth dying for. And democracy is worth dying for because it's the most deeply honorable form of government ever devised by man. All of you loved liberty. All of you were willing to fight tyranny. And you knew the people of your countries were behind you. The Americans who fought here that morning knew word of the invasion was spreading through the darkness back home. They fought or felt in their hearts, though they couldn't know in fact... That in Georgia, they were filling the churches at 4 a.m. In Kansas, they were kneeling on their porches and praying. And in Philadelphia, they were ringing the Liberty Bell. Something else helped the men of D-Day. Their rock-hard belief that Providence would have a great hand in the events that would unfold here. That God was an ally in this great cause. And so, the night before the invasion... When Colonel Wolverton asked his parachute troops to kneel with him in prayer, he told them, do not bow your heads. 
but look up so you can see God and ask his blessing in what we are about to do. Also that night, General Matthew Ridgway on his cot, listening in the darkness for the promise God made to Joshua, I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. These are the things that impelled them. These are the things that shaped the unity of the Allies. When the war was over, there were lives to be rebuilt and governments to be returned to the people. There were nations to be reborn. Above all, there was a new peace to be assured. These were huge and daunting tasks, but the Allies summoned strength from the faith, belief, loyalty, and love of those who fell here. They rebuilt a new Europe together. There was first a great reconciliation among those who had been enemies, all of whom had suffered so greatly. The United States did its part, creating the Marshall Plan to help rebuild our allies and our former enemies. The Marshall Plan led to the Atlantic Alliance, a great alliance that serves to this day as our shield for freedom, for prosperity, and for peace. In spite of our great efforts and successes, not all that followed the end of the war was happier planned. Some liberated countries were lost. The great sadness of this loss echoes down to our own time in the streets of Warsaw, Prague, and East Berlin. The Soviet troops that came to the center of this continent did not leave when peace came. They're still there, uninvited, unwanted, unyielding, almost 40 years after the war. Because of this, Allied forces still stand on this continent. Today, as 40 years ago, our armies are here for only one purpose, to protect and defend democracy. The only territories we hold are memorials like this one and graveyards where our heroes rest. We in America have learned bitter lessons from two world wars. It is better to be here ready to protect the peace than to take blind shelter across the sea, rushing to respond only after freedom is lost. We've learned that isolationism never was and never will be an acceptable response to tyrannical governments with an expansionist intent. But we try always to be prepared for peace, prepared to deter aggression, prepared to negotiate the reduction of arms, and yes, prepared to reach out again in the spirit of reconciliation. In truth, there is no reconciliation we would welcome more than a reconciliation with the Soviet Union, so together we can listen, lessen the risks of war now and forever. President Reagan was a class act. He didn't curse. He dressed to the T's every day he was in the Oval Office. He was very respectful. There was no Twitter back then, and yet they trashed the hell out of him. Many of the same voices, or their progeny today, used to brutalize Reagan. So it's not so much that Trump's method of communicating really is what turns off the hard left and the media and Congress, wherever they may be, 
which is everywhere. It's that he does. His existence does. The fact that he defeated Hillary Clinton fair and square, that's what drives them nuts. So if you hear somebody say it's the way he talks, it's the way he tweets, no, it's not. There was no more respectful man to serve in the Oval Office than Ronald Reagan. And yet they horribly abused him. His intelligence, he was a warmonger, he he would uh, get us in a nuclear war. They did all, all that stuff to him. So I just wanted to point that out to you. President Trump also spoke today. Let's listen to that briefly. Cut 12. Go ahead. Today we also mark another milestone, the 74th anniversary of D-Day, the Allied invasion of Normandy. On June 6, 1944, more than 70,000 brave young Americans charged out of landing craft, jumped out of airplanes, and stormed into hell. They gave their heart, their blood, and their very lives on those beaches to drive out the enemy and strike a lasting victory for our country and for freedom. In every generation, there have been heroes like them, patriots who answer the call to serve, who do whatever it takes, wherever and whenever we need them, to defend America. They put everything on the line for us, and when they come home, we must do everything that we can possibly do for them, and that's what we're doing. Now, I want you to hear Angela Rye. She's a commentator at CNN, an analyst at, national, at uh, NPR, National Public Radio, government radio. She's treated like a serious journalist, and she's not. She's a left-wing hack. But listen to this. Cut 10, go. The Eagles didn't volunteer not to go. They uninvited the Eagles. That's the issue. That This is all about his ego, and we're going to now end up in a midterm where we're talking about the national anthem. The national anthem is problematic in and of itself. There's a second verse that Colin Kaepernick brought attention to that has yet to be discussed on broad platforms. In addition to that, people have every right to, to go through the practices of practicing free speech. So you hear this. And then you remember what happened in Normandy. Angela Ray hasn't sweat two seconds for this country. Not two seconds. She hasn't sacrificed a thing. She's a beneficiary of what those men did and men before them and men since and women too. A beneficiary. Angry, petulant. And yet she pretends she's authoritative. She's a dimwit. And then Joe Scarborough never misses an opportunity. So he uses the 74th anniversary of D-Day to trash the President of the United States. He is a sleazeball, Scarborough. Absolute sleazeball. There's no depth to which this man will not sink. Cut 11, go. You know, Mika, those, those men that stormed the beaches of Normandy on this day in 1944 for, you know, to, to, to hoist the American flag on the top of those cliffs and march towards Berlin and Hitler. And 
the men that held the flag up on Iwo Jima. Mm. And, uh, you know, you know, Joe, my grandfather was there on Iwo Jima. And I'm pretty sure I could say he's not with us any longer. My mother's father, that he would find you to be as loathsome as they come. And I suspect he would have voted for Donald Trump for president of the United States. Go ahead. On, uh, they they uh, they didn't do it. So a commander in chief, all these years later, could tell aides, as reports say, that uh, Donald Trump told aides earlier this year that he was going to use the American flag and he was going to use the Star Spangled Banner as a political backdrop, as a political prop. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? I want all politicians to use it as a backdrop. I want all football players to use it as a backdrop. I want all NBA players to use it as a backdrop. I want all Americans to use it as a backdrop. Maybe you might use it as a backdrop right there on the set of MSLSD, although I doubt it. I'll be right back. Mark Levin doesn't just read the news. He makes the news. Call the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. When you listen to that history reel... About D-Day, when you listen to about President Reagan and listen to his speech, or President Trump, on the 74th anniversary of the uh, invasion of Normandy, D-Day, it puts things in perspective, doesn't it? How infantile these athletes really are. How out of touch with reality these athletes really are. What a great people the American people are. What a great country this is for all its imperfections. None of those men, none of those men who gave their lives or were prepared to give their lives on D-Day thought about America in the terms that these leftists on TV do or these so-called social warriors on the football field do. Or for that matter, LeBron James, Steve Kerr, or Steph Curry. They all, I'm sure, would have gone to the White House no matter the president. They would have treated the president with respect, agree or disagree. They would have treated the Oval Office with respect. And the vast majority of them wouldn't have earned anything close to what a football player earns today, or certainly LeBron James or Steph Kerr and so forth. Those men, the ones who died, had they survived, would be shaking their heads. Shaking their heads. For the Players Union to put out a statement that their players support the military in the country is simply not true. If they supported the military in the country, they wouldn't offend so many people. But they take these steps for the purpose of offending people. Colin Kaepernick, does he measure up to any single one of those men who are on those boats that landed in Normandy? Or Iwo Jima? Or Guadalcanal? Or Okinawa? Or on and on and on and on. No, he does not. He doesn't measure up anything close. He's no hero. He's no social warrior. 
It's amazing what the left and the media, including the sports media, call heroes today. Leaders. Leaders. So myopic. They live in a different world altogether than so many Americans. LeBron James announced that his team and the Warriors, none of them would go visit the president at the White House if they won. Of course, he won't because they're not going to win. And Steph Curry said he agrees with Braun. I just shut it all off. I won't be watching any of it tonight or any other night. I could care less. They're playing basketball. There's a real world out there. A real world out there. You know, it's one thing if you don't volunteer for the military. I never did. My father did. Both of my grandfathers did. One in World War I, one in World War II. That's not an excuse. But it's quite another thing as a citizen not to support these people. I don't mean say you support them, but not to support these people. That's unconscionable. And when they tell you, and when their families tell you, and other patriots tell you that what you're doing is offensive, and you keep doing it, then it is your intention to be offensive. What you're doing is not symbolic of anything but utter and complete disrespect. And so we put in context what these players, about 10% of the league, let's be honest, not the 90%. But for LeBron James to say what he said, and he has said it before, it is a, a disgraceful thing. Disgraceful. I don't care how many points he gets. I don't care how many rebounds he gets. I don't care how many triple-doubles he gets. He doesn't measure up to a single man who rushed that beach. Not one. Or a single man who fought in the jungles of Vietnam. Saw it in the mountains of Korea. Who fought fight in the deserts. At one hellhole after another today. The Middle East. Who fight in Afghanistan. He's no hero. LeBron James. He's no hero at all. You should at least show the respect for the office of the presidency. Show the respect that it deserves. And those football players, the same thing. They're not going to persuade the American people to abandon their country, to abandon the military for their supposed cause. And as I said last night, these players, the vast majority of them, they're part of the Hollywood elite. They're famous. People ask them for their autographs. They're on TV. The more obnoxious, the more provocative, the more famous they are, the more on TV they go. Well, there are certain citizens who are into that, but not most. That's a small world they're pandering to. They're not social warriors. They're elitists. You know, lots of teens are looking for summer jobs right now, providing their social security numbers on applications. Many are also spending more time online making purchases. That means they are at greater risk. They're vulnerable, falling victim to identity theft. 
You take lots of steps to protect your children, don't you? So don't leave them vulnerable to identity theft, which can cost them dearly. A crook can secretly use a child's identity for years, racking up thousands of dollars of debt in their name, and you might not find out until the teen applies for college loans. One million children had their identity stolen in 2017, and they're a growing target. My ID Care covers you for the nine types of identity theft, including child identity theft. And with monthly family plans costing far less than one family dinner out, you can breathe easier this summer knowing your family's protected. And only, only My ID Care has a 100% identity recovery guarantee. If you do fall victim, or your money back, they're the only ones that do that. Learn more and get 15% off at myidcare.com slash mark promo code mark. That's myidcare.com slash mark promo code mark. Myidcare.com slash mark promo code mark. Where it's easier than ever. Easier than ever to enroll. And I want you to encourage you to go ahead and do that. By the way, we're going to have a wonderful show on Sunday. Uh, 10 p.m. Eastern. 7 p.m. Pacific, as always, on Life, Liberty, and Living on the Fox News Channel. Two great guests. Ron DeSantis, who is a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, and um, Lee Zeldin, congressman from New York, who's also a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Both of these men have served their country. Zeldin in the Army, and... uh, DeSantis in the Navy. I think the Marines, actually. Both of them served in Iraq. These are great patriots. We're going to talk about North Korea with the summit coming up. We're going to talk about China. We're going to talk about Iran and other issues. They are fascinating men. They're not your typical members of Congress. Trust me on this. Zeldin's running for re-election in New York. And DeSantis is running for the Republican nomination of governor of Florida. And I hope you'll watch these men. They're not just congressmen. When I do this Sunday show, I don't just bring people on to fill time. It's not a conga line of guests. It's one or two guests. And as you know, it's substantive and we go deep. And these men are deep. You know, when you look at their backgrounds, take DeSantis. He went to Yale and he graduated from Harvard Law School. That's pretty damn incredible. Look at Zeldin. He graduated law school when he was 23. No, I graduated when I was 22, but he was close. Very, very sharp man. So mark it down. I won't be here Thursday, tomorrow, and I won't be here Friday. So please check it out this Sunday, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. And, of course, I'll be there. And... uh, It'll be a fascinating discussion. You'll always learn something or always have a takeaway. And I think we'll reinforce your principles. We don't take any knees on the show. Let us go to Frank, Long Island, New York, the great WABC. Go right ahead, sir. Hi, Mark. How are you? Um, it, it amazes me, before I make that comment about my brother, um, it amazes me that these men have never faced any real um, danger other than maybe going into an opposing player's arena. Um, 
Yet they say when they look at the American flag, they see inequality, oppression. They see bigotry, white racism, white white supremacy. I'm here to talk directly to LeBron James, Steph Curry, Steve Kerr. And I hope they listen to this. Because when I look at the American flag, every single time what I see is the same flag that was draped over my brother's coffin as his 25-year-old body was carried off a military transport. So I hope they think about that, because if they were able to, ever able to have a conversation with my brother or any other of the fallen, I think uh, they would be surprised at what they tell them. We are hurt, and we are disrespected, and we are very disappointed. So please, please stand. Thank you, Mark. Frank, are you able to... He, Frank left. I wanted to know about his brother, but he's obviously very upset, and I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. And we wish that family all the best. Father Arsenio in India on the Mark Levin app. How are you doing, Father? I'm doing good, thank you. Mr. Levin, it's an honor to speak to you. Thank you. What I wanted to say was the words you're speaking today and some of the things you said in the past reminded me of what my father had told me. Now, 55 years ago, before he left this world, he was a lieutenant on a destroyer escort in World War II. And he said that in the heat of battle, when it was really scary, and he said the sailors were scary, that it was the flag that acted almost like a talisman, that he said what he felt that flowed through the American flag turned fear into courage, and it helped them get through, and it made them realize what they were fighting for and what they were trying to preserve, which was the liberty that the American flag represented. And some time ago, you mentioned that the progressive left, what they were trying to do was literally to destroy what is. And you said that um, and that causes them to be even consciousness about the fact they're doing it, whether wittingly or unwittingly. And it just made me understand that what really is that they're trying to literally destroy is that grace, support from God Almighty that created them, that is emblematic and flows through the American flag. And the fact that today these progressives are denigrating it, it's just disgusting. Yes, it is disgusting. And that's why the American people are speaking out. They're speaking out in numerous ways. Uh, that's why you see uh, viewership of football going down. You're going to start seeing viewership of basketball going down. And these men who play these sports are very, very selfish. Because they stand on the shoulders of the men who came before them. And they're not doing a very good job of it. And they are, they are ruining the profession, the careers, uh, and the leagues from which they have benefited enormously and become enormously rich for the next generation of high school and college players who are coming up. They are as spoiled and narcissistic as they come. And they are not to be celebrated as social warriors. They are not social warriors in any sense of the word. Father, I want to thank you very, very much uh, for calling us from India and for your very, very wise words. God bless you. We'll be right back. <laughs> 
I know, I'm trying to find it, Mr. Producer. How about you find it for me and send it to me? All right, fair enough. All right, let's take a call here. I'm having computer problems, folks. Doing my very, very best. Let's go to Louie, San Antonio, Texas. Let's go quickly, my friend. We're almost out of time. Go right ahead. All right, Mr. Levine. Thank you very much for taking my call. First off, I'm a... a a war veteran served in two different wars, Afghanistan and Iraq. And my opinion that I'd like to express to you is that I'd like for you to slow your role on, on judging these folks who are expressing their First Amendment right, given their platform. Right, first, sir, Not sir, first of all, I want to thank you for your service. Secondly, it has nothing to do with the First Amendment. They are working in the private sector. The First Amendment applies to government. Yeah, negative on that. All of these athletes are using their platform to protest a great country that turn that chooses to turn its eye, uh, or actually their back on social justice. Why did you so, Why did you join the military? Why did I join the military? Yeah, for personal reasons other than than my own. For personal reasons, for my family to provide for my family. You, so you joined. I, you didn't join the military to defend your country. It doesn't matter if I join the military. Well, it matters to, to me. Country. I'm asking the you. Did, why Why did you join the military? The fact is, I joined to support my family, and I chose to sign on that dotted line. I agree with you, but I'm, I ask you your motives. I'm allowed to ask you your motives, aren't I? Or am I not allowed? You want me to take a knee? What do you want me to do? I'm asking you a question. Why did you join the military? You said for a paycheck. Well, a lot of people don't join the military for a paycheck. They join the military to defend the country. Yes, sir. What, not one athlete has, has said anything against the military. Has said anything in a mouth. It's not a matter of saying anything against the military, sir. These are symbols that are very, very important to the nation, including the military. Otherwise, why would they be taking a knee? Okay, you call it a symbol, but did you know that the federal government actually bills the taxpayer for these? Why are you so angry symbols? about the country you fought for? I'm not understanding you at all. See, see, that's what you're doing right there, man. I'm not doing a damn thing, pal. You're, you're doing the exact same thing that the left does. You're twisting my Yeah, words. all right, all right. I got to get to my commercial. I haven't twisted anything. You don't want to answer a question because you're angry. There's nothing I can do about that, pal. But thank you for your service. How many of you have an additional $5,000 sitting around? Anybody? I didn't think so. But you're going to need it if your HVAC system burns out because, yeah, you know, maybe you didn't change out your air filters. I know you think I'm being a melodramatic. I'm not. If you saw how bad this allergy season has been, all that junk, which isn't in your lungs, is in your homes. They're in your HVAC filters. Plus, it's getting hot outside, and your system is working harder and harder. Spend 15 or 20 bucks. Save your lungs and your HVAC system with fresh filters from my friends at FilterBuy, America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. They carry over 600 sizes. And if you're one of those difficult people, you don't want to do it. They can make it very, very easy. Uh, they ship within 24 hours. They ship for free. You can get on their schedule. They'll knock 5% off. Additionally, they extend the life of your system. That's very, very important. Save time, save money, breathe better. 
That's filterby.com, filterbuy.com, made right here in America. Tell them Mark Levin sent you. Folks, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. God bless each and every one of you. Be safe. Check out Levin TV. I hope you'll watch us on Sunday. And if you get a chance, give us a vote, too. Take care. Take care.